Hello, Louis Theroux here. Welcome to my Spotify podcast called The Adam Buxton Podcast. Not funny. <laughs> the Louis Theroux Podcast, fine. In this episode, I am going to be speaking to a pop singer, a musical artist who goes by Pink Pantheress, who has another name, the one she was given at birth, which I'm not going to reveal because that's part of her mystique. She is 22 years old, not just a singer as such, but also a viral hit maker. And if you're at all online, even if you don't know who she is, you've probably heard her songs and I hope that becomes clear in the conversation because her singing style is very distinctive. Uh, copyright issues prevent me from singing uh, part of her song now. Boys uh, Can I say that? That's fine. Boys That was too much. Anyway, she shot to fame in less than a year around the time of COVID and lockdown, writing these tiny little songs, these fragments that seemed almost perfectly designed for TikTok and the short attention span. In addition, though, there's anxiety-based lyrics. There's a depth to the emotional vibe of the songs. And so she's very much tapped into the generational mood with her lyrics and voice and samples. Some statistics as of 20th of October, 2023. On Spotify alone, 2.3 billion streams. That's 55 million streams per track. Sometimes I think when you give Spotify or streaming data, it just sounds like billions and billions, billions and billions. Anyway, it's a lot. By any metric, you know, they are extraordinarily big numbers. Numbers, which is a tech term that we use in the tech industry. A number, it's a lot like a number, but it's not exactly the same. I haven't looked at my numbers. I'm afraid to. She's previously been very private, which is part of what makes this interview pretty special. It was recorded in person in London in the Spotify HQ. She arrived with her signature handbag under her arm. And the first few minutes, you can feel the atmosphere is a little bit awkward. There was um, a faintly tense, tenses may be overstated, but definitely there wasn't much eye contact. And I was thinking, well, this might be, this might be a difficult interview. Uh, which I love. And then it all kind of just got going and and, and felt like a a terrific kind of free-flowing conversation. But maybe I'm spoiling the journey if I tell you too much. Warnings. Strong language, adult themes, and a high-pitched chipmunk-like voice. That's mine, not Pink's. All that and much, much more coming up. Hello. Oh, nice Louis. to meet you. How do you do? Nice to meet you. How's it going? Real good, thanks. Hi. Take a seat. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about the delay. Arnold Schwarzenegger was in here. Yeah, I heard that. On another podcast. Yep. Thought it was this one. Wasn't mine. Next time. Another time. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Is your name Louis? Um, some people say Louis. I go by Louis. Usually. Louis, yeah, okay. The French spelling. Yes. Uh, and the French pronunciation. Okay. I appreciate you 
coming by. I think you've been quite busy, haven't you? Um, well, I've just announced my album, so I'm just uh, doing stuff for that, yeah. You've just announced your album. Do you want to come in, guys? Louis, can you just talk? Closer into the mic. Closer to the mic. Okay. Guys, you should just, you know what, if you yeah, just if you want to say anything, pop in because I'm not going to look at my phone and the WhatsApps, I don't think. They're like, oh, if you need anything, we'll pop it on a WhatsApp. Yeah, no. It's just, it's, it's, I want to stay still. Do IRL. I want, to, I want to just stay in the room. Yeah, I get that. I think you're a bit like me. You're not, you don't like to be over-attached to the phone. No, not really. No, it's in my bag. You try and stay in real in life. In real life, yes, I do. What's your attitude to social media generally? Um, it's a necessity for me, but if I had it my way, I wouldn't be on it At necessarily. All. No, I would be on it like maybe, I'm only on it as much as I really want to. Sometimes for this period, because of the album, I've had to go on it a bit more. Yeah. And it does scare me, like I'm not going to lie, like I can't, I have to get someone else to post my stuff. Why? I just have bad anxiety of surrounding posting stuff. Because of what you might come back? No, uh, just because I just don't know what it... I genuinely don't know. I just have an issue pressing the button that says post. Really? Which is ironic in a way because you blew up on TikTok. Yes. And that's practically... All about posting. Yeah. See, that for me was like, you're going to laugh, but that was survival instincts. That was like, I need to make a career out of music. So I did what I had to do. I still do it. I just have to get someone else to post the video these days. That's the difference. Do you get anxiety generally? Um, surrounding very specific and niche things. Do you? Um, yes. Okay. You just turned the tables on me. I wasn't expecting that. Oh, no, I just I just wondered this because I just... Um, I feel like when you ask people that question, they always say yes. But when I ask them about what, they kind of don't know what to say. I'm not going to ask you about what. Feel free. Okay, about what then? Just probably the most typical things, which is sometimes social engagements. Like, yeah. I have that thing of like, if you're going to a party, you're invited to a party and before going, you know you're going to go. Yeah. But you just, a little part of you is thinking, I really don't want to go. Because you don't know how the night's going to go. I don't know even if it's even that rational. I think it's just some sense of being required to summon some sort of resources of whether it's conversation, yeah. self-presentation and... And then you go and it usually goes fine. But I sort of sometimes drink my way through it. But do people expect you to be a good talker because of your job? I would say they probably do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people expect me to be. And do you think you are a good talker? Mm, I think I can be, but I think that people are either happily surprised or they're a bit like, oh, she's a bit weird. Do you think so? What makes you think they I don't think know. But, because I'll, I'll talk to someone and I'll think I sound very normal and everything and then people will tell me afterwards that it, I seemed uncomfortable or awkward but I don't really recognise at the time you don't feel awkward well, I don't really feel because I'm not because this is just how I when it comes to new people this is just how I talk or act but some people just think I'm uncomfortable but I, I actually don't know but this is how it's been from for, since school time so so we started by saying I was saying TikTok how, well actually before that I was going to say you're, you, how busy are you you said you got your album uh, Heaven Knows yes about to drop Yep. Which is technically your first album, but actually you released a mixtape called To Hell With It, it. In which was sort of like an album. I mean, I don't know why they didn't call it an album. Well, I chose to call it a mixtape because an album was actually quite a formal name. Right. Yeah. Well, I just thought to myself, it was an 18-minute long mixtape. Yeah, with 10 tracks. 10 tracks. So I just thought, no, there's no way this can be an album. It's so yeah. short. 
Which is fair enough. Yeah. How long is the album? I actually don't know. I, yeah, I think I it's think, about half an hour. Yeah, I think it? it's half an hour, actually. I was going to say that too. <laughs> I think it's half an hour. And you're going on tour in February. <clears throat> yeah. And you're coming off three years of meteoric yeah. ascent. Well, yeah. Right? Would you agree with that? I don't know about meteoric. Well, how would you call it? Well, I don't know. I think when I see someone do a, have a meteoric ascent, it's way more obvious that it's a meteoric ascent. I think mine has been, has been another sort of ascent. Maybe like a very good hiker ascent. Right. Not meteoric. I wanted it to be at this pace instead of... Like maybe like a rambler climbing a Munro in Scotland. Yes. And steadily staking up the road, you know, hiking up the terrain. And I think that's maybe a more apt metaphor because it describes the effort involved, which I'm sure has yeah. been yeah. considerable. That being said, though, it's been a steady and sort of positive, relentless, I don't say relentless, it sounds a bit weird, but it's been a steady, forward-focused ascent. And it started in 2021. Well, late 2020, wasn't it? Isn't that when the one that the Michael Jackson sample one came out? You have good researchers, yeah, I was. Researchers? What are you talking about? I researched that, I think. You think I didn't do any research? I know it. I think you're equally as busy as I am, so I don't know. But either way, if it was you or your team, I'm really amazed that you know that. But it was. It was on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. That's what my researcher told me. Great. No, no, I did. I've done research. <laughs> Come well. clean. Uh, but was never actually released because the Michael Jackson estate didn't clear the sample. And that's why I can't mention any more. Wow, that got tense fast. That's where I can't mention any more. And I'm glad you said that, not me. I can't, can't mention them. It's fine. We can just ramble on. I love a pregnant pause. Yes. Um, but then you had two tracks that went mega viral. Yes. Pain and... Break it off. Break it off. That's not the one I was thinking of. <laughs> What's the stalkerish one? <laughs> just for me. Just for me. Was break off more viral then? I actually... I'm going to have to make a stab and guess that Just For Me went more viral, but it is not as revered as Break It Off. Right. Yes, that's my guess. I don't know anything about numbers, and I don't like being told. So if you know anything, then don't tell me. About your numbers? No, nope, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't you know tell me. I'm not going to tell you, but I know, every, I know everything about your numbers. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I can't. No, but I can't, no, don't. Because that is where I've realised every person I know as soon as they find out every bit of metadata about anything they have, that's when it becomes obsessive. You are concerned that you would become obsessive about the numbers? Well, yeah, I think just anyone. Okay, so it's like it's like knowing how much is in your bank account and then being nervous about spending. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I remember when I first started off as a musician, I was obsessed with everything. I was like, every bit of metadata I could know, I needed to know. And then I got obsessive over it. And so I'm just, I, because I know my habits, I just know that if I know now, it will be the same thing. What do you mean by metadata? So like stuff like how many followers do I have or how many people are looking at my posts. So that's what really freaks me out. How many people are able to look at my posts? On like which if, platform? Any platform. And so, for example, if a video of me goes viral in any sort of way, I freak out because I'm like, oh, and I need to know what everyone's saying and stuff because I, I'm just obsessed over it. So I just, that's why I stay off of online. Really? Yes. That's the sound of Sorry. Pink's nails. Yeah. Together. 
in case you were wondering. It is a strange thing that in this day and age, you can have a metric of success in inverted commas that's scientific and calibrated down to the absolute tiniest figure, right? Yes, yeah. No. And actually, what, what do you do with that? Because you didn't create the music thinking... Well, maybe you did, but you, you want some sort of success, but you didn't create it knowing that information, you know, and, and you created it out of an instinct for what would connect with people, right? Yeah, well, I was, I mean, obviously I'm only making music because I actually just enjoy making it. And I think it's because I enjoy making it. And it's also because I actually just enjoy experimenting and seeing what people will like. Just like, I like making music that I feel like people have to think about. Like the Stalkerish song, it's like I, I wrote it, but then I but I was like, will people catch on to what I'm actually singing about? Or will the song go viral and people think that the song's like a cute song when actually it's not, you know? Yeah. That's the one that was sampled by Central C. Yes, exactly. So this thing about making people think, there was a quote that I liked, which was from a an article in the New York Times where they said the key juxtaposition in her music is how the lightly detached sweetness in her tone masks the sweaty anxiety of her words. Sweaty. Oh, sweaty. Um, yeah, I... Sure. Does that resonate with you? Um, anxiety in my words. Well, funnily enough, we started by talking about anxiety. Okay, sure. And yeah. there's darkness in the lyrics. Yeah. The lyrics are often about anxiety to do with, is someone going to call? Do I look good enough for you? Yeah. Are you thinking about me? It's all in a monologue, but sung in a quite a sing-song girly voice. I'm sure lots of adjectives have been used to describe your dis very distinctive vocal timbre. Is there an adjective you prefer? Um, chipmunk version? I mean, I don't know. I, I think it depends. Um, sometimes when I listen to it, actually, and I'm not trying to be self-deprecating, I don't want that to become my brand because I am so confident in many ways. But sometimes when I listen to it, there's quite an annoying twang to it now because it is so high. And because I've my hearing isn't as good as it used to be. I feel like now it hits certain frequencies which I don't really like anymore. But I still love my voice. I think it's I think it's nice and unique. But angelic and slinky. Maybe. Did you come up with that? That was when you came top of the Sound of 2022 BBC poll. It described your voice as angelic and slinky. Angelic and slinky. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to be told that? It's nice. Um, you mentioned your hearing going. Yes. You've lost 80% of the hearing in one of your ears, in your right ear. How come? Because um, of the microphone. Going too near to a speaker. Really? And it causes a horrible, like... The feedback. Feedback, yeah. And it was so loud, it literally it, so, no, it, damaged it's your hearing. It decreased, yeah. So at first, it was just a really annoying ringing. And I thought it was going to be fine. But it happened on the day, and ever since that day... Even on the day it happened, I was trying to find... I, I got, like, some weird eardrops, and I thought that was going to help. I thought it was going to be fine in the coming weeks. I just kept going down to the point now where it's weird because I can't hear a lot of, like, high stuff I can't really... But, like, I can make out people... It just sounds like bass. It sounds like if somebody took your voice and removed all the high end, and it was just bass. Just in that ear. Bassy, but yeah. But your left ear is normal. Oh, Yeah. Wow, that's that's quite a lot to deal with. No, no, it's not. Really? It's fine. I can tell I still have bass. So, um, I think you're going to say no to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's some people who, you know, have a broad cross-section of listenership, young and old and in between, but I imagine there might be a few of the older ones who either don't know your music or know it but don't know that they know it. Yes. So, can you sing a little bit of one of your songs? 
we can... No, you don't know? Do you know how they go? Of course. You could sing one of the newer ones. I'm glad you said that. Well, only if you know something. I can always teach you to. I don't like putting people on the spot and I just know I've done that. Asking you to join me. You wouldn't be comfortable singing on your own. I think that people would rather hear from you. Yeah, but I would actually rather... I actually have never heard you sing. Do you sing... Is there an effect on your voice on your recordings? Yes, there is. But I can sing... You can reproduce it. I can sing it, like, pretty to the... To the, oh God! I'm Take sick. a look inside your heart. Is there any room for me? Are we doing a duet? Then, then it's over to you. Oh my God! I won't have to hold my breath till you get down on one knee, knee, because you only want to hold me when I'm looking good enough. Did you ever fill me with Did you? you? Ever picture us? Every time I pull my hair, well, it's only out of fear that you'll find me ugly and one. Day you'll disappear because what's the point of crying? It was never even love. Oh jeez, did you ever? Did you ever want me? I'm better was in falsetto. I, did you ever want me? Was, was I ever good, good enough? enough? Ding ding. The boys are. You've got to do that bit. Liar. You've got to say Leah. Well, you know I'm saying liar. I know, but don't Leia. you? Leah. I sing it as. See, that's you don't sing it as Leah. Boys you, you should do the rap. Can you do the rap? Please? Doesn't see ya. Is it on there? I only know I haven't learned the rap. I like how she goes. She does a funny thing. Do you know what that means? You know what someone's. Can you do the rap? Um, He say that I'm good enough, grabbing my thinking about things that I shouldn't have. That's a great rhyme, and shouldn't have. But you don't know what a da da is? It's either her bum or her. Front bum. Yeah. Okay. What is I'll it? Let, I'll leave that to no, you. No, come on. No, it's 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 her it's her derriere. Yes, as you would say in French. Derriere. Yes. Do you speak French? I'm doing it on Duolingo. Let's stay focused. Um, I think if I wanted to zoom out for a second, because we started by talking about TikTok and a little bit about anxiety. So what happened was you started out posting stuff on SoundCloud, then on TikTok. You then translated that into kind of global chart success. Mm-hmm. And you're in the midst of, I suppose, a kind of a transitionary period where you're sort of coming out of the bedroom, figuratively, and kind of taking the main stage. Yes, yeah, I guess, as every artist has to do, yeah. But in your case, it's a little different because a lot of artists would come up through either talent shows or, you know, X Factor or doing local you know, doing the Mickey Mouse Club on Disney or, yeah. you know, like this, 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 but basically forms of supplying their trade in a way that involves getting up in front of the public a lot in a real world setting. Yes. Which you haven't done quite so much. No, not really. So I guess the question is, is how are you finding that? Transition? Yeah. So I've been performing since 2021 when I had my first live shows, but yeah, it's true. And I think there's a large conversation at the moment, especially around artists going from the bedroom into the stage and some artists not being ready and some artists not being developed enough. And I definitely understand the argument, especially as someone who in the UK, we are so known for stuff like the Brit School and, you know, having artists rise up through performing in pubs. And, you know, we have Adele, we have Amy Winehouse, we have everyone, George Smith, we've got these great singers and it's very talent based over here. I feel like over in America, there's more likelihood of like virality because mm-hmm. of just how big the place is. And so basically, 
when it comes to someone like me, I felt a lot of pressure being from here and realising, okay, cool, my talent isn't necessarily in singing or performing. I'm not like, quote unquote, the strongest thing. I don't have these powerhouse vocals at all. As a performer, I've never been drawn to like the spotlight. I'm not really too interested on going on stage. You actually made like an ick face when you said performer. Well, yeah, because I just feel like even watching clips sometimes of myself, I'm like, oh God, you know? I feel like I'm getting better and I, I do want to get better because I, I do get inspired a lot by seeing other performers and thinking, God, they look amazing. I don't want to dance, but I definitely want to be like, I definitely want to be able to go up and show people a good time. For me as an artist, I feel like I've had to deal with people knowing I'm not good at performing. I've had to deal with people telling me how I could do better, taking those comments and learning from them. And if you suddenly started having the job that you love, my favourite part of my job is writing and pushing music and, and experimenting with music. That's my favourite part. My favourite part isn't performing. And somebody's telling you, OK, you can't only like your favourite sector, which is writing. You also have to do stuff you hate, which is being in front of cameras, being recorded, telling people information about yourself and performing. I can't pick and choose. I mean, I can pick and choose. I could have said, oh, I'm not doing live performances ever. But then I wouldn't have grown this big. Like, I've had to do stuff which I haven't, I didn't want to do. And I've had to basically just take it in my stride. I didn't want to be photographed ever. I had, really? No, I wanted to be anonymous for my whole career. But then I realised I could only get so big if I do that. So I, yeah, I broke three from those shackles and I'm better for it. But, you know, scary. Well, you started out, as, as you say, anonymous. And in fact, for a while, there was this mystique around who you were and you didn't reveal your real name. No. And you didn't do interviews. I think, what was the sort of the, the level of revelation as it went on? Like, first of all, you released a picture of yourself, did you? Oh, yeah, for selfie. Because prior to that, people weren't sure what race you were. That's funny. No, they didn't. They thought I was, they thought I was white, I think. People thought you were white. And so was that weird or not? Oh, of course it was, because my first song, the song we, the one we can't speak about because it's based on an unauthorised Michael Jackson sample. I say the N-word. I say... On the song? I say the N-word. So people were DMing me thinking I was white and they were going, oh my God, you are disgusting. You said the N-word. How dare you? You know, you're not black. And I was like, wait, but... Because I was, I was like half... Like, do I tell them... Do I have to prove that I am? But then I was just like, I am black. And then once people found out what I looked like, they were like, oh my God, that's crazy. I think people are still shocked to this day. I think people are still, when they find out, they're like, oh my God. But that's what I mean, Louis, about the whole powerhouse folk. You, I feel like people just aren't used to have, hearing a black person sound or have a voice like mine. Or yeah. So people thought you were white, then you released a picture, then gradually... Well, in fact, you were outed in a way, weren't you? By the Daily Mail. Yeah, on the yeah. Mail on Sunday, if you want to be exact. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't, who reads that, you know? But honestly... Only millions of people. I don't know anything about newspaper politics or, like, what a newspaper is more left or... I had no idea what that, you know? So I used to read the Daily Mail because my mum used to read the Daily Mail and my family... It's a right-wing paper. Yeah, well, yeah, I know that now, but as a 16-year-old, I thought it was just where I got my information. And it was only until I read the comments back in the day where I realised, oh, blimey, like, these people are... They're psychos. Flipping heck. Yeah, you were flipping like, oh, hell. Flipping hell. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I read the comments. Because that's a self-selecting. Like you've got to be. You don't. I don't think you have to be right-wing and racist to no, read uh, no. the Mail on Sunday. No. But if you're so involved that you're going to write comments, yeah, well, writing like, comments, you're in the inner circle. 
you're yeah, the you're, you're, lo- you're you're there's you're no full on Gucci gang. There's there's no saving you once you are starting to type in the comment section. That's what I that's what I realized, and so I realized the people in this these comments section, and then basically cool. Yes, I got outed, and then I was like, okay, well, what could they have said? And it was because I think you'd won the, the BBC the, Sound of Music 2022. Two. Yes, so yeah, it, that's why it was on there, and you I read reached the that level of fame and accomplishment where. A mainstream tabloid took notice and said, let's unmask. Um, they unmasked everyone. They did an, an article unmasking Banksy, I believe. I actually was They would unmask that. Father yeah. Christmas himself if they thought it would sell papers. And the comments would still be about his weight or something like that. This foreigner coming over yes. here, dropping his presents yeah, down the chimney. Yeah, leaving his trash around. What's his agenda? <laughs> What's his agenda? Go back to Lapland. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, I remember actually like having a call with the journalist right and i think they called you up how did they get your number no they put their number in the email because they sent it they sent an email to my dad asking for a photo of me and my dad was like and i i phoned the woman the journalist and i was just like i was just like why and the thing around my name isn't anything i've always said this it's not because i'm like i don't want people it's just because i genuinely feel that the name is so precious to each individual do you know what I mean? Do you still prefer your name not being put out there? Well, yes, but it's because your name is so, in, for me anyway, it's such an important part of who you are. But yeah, so I didn't want my name to be put out there. And they, it was weird because uh, even though they knew nothing about me, everyone was being mean to me in the comments section. Were they? What were they saying? They just said um, I was no... Actually, they'd, one of them did say I was no Amy Winehouse because they posted my song and they were like, oh, she's not quite Amy. They were just saying my voice was annoying and high and that they didn't get the music and they thought I was crap. And they said that, uh, I think they, one of them even said I looked I looked bad like over my face. And, and I think some of my fan pages came to my defence and they started calling everyone, losers, you're idiots, you're mean. And, um, but the, news, the, the article itself, but this is when I realised, this is when I realised about the right-wing agenda. They mentioned my race almost instantly and and on top of that they also mentioned um in the article yes and they also mentioned something about my the price of my house in canterbury where i'm from which was wrong but it was just so bizarre i just was like five hundred thousand pounds they said no but that's not even true they said five hundred thousand pound townhouse in canterbury townhouse you should see it i did think five hundred thousand pounds i did reading i was like five hundred thousand pounds in canterbury, canterbury that's that a probably buys a lot yeah no 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 chance no chance so that that annoyed me because i was like the information is just factually wrong i wrote down the headline because the headline was funny it was like unmasked and i was like i'm based off of the internet like i unmasked exclamation mark new 20 year old tiktok pop sensation called pink pantheress is the quote posh daughter of a statistics professor and a civil servant (laughs) factually wrong but either way my point was like well what i don't understand what they were trying to like prove that went to selective and high achieving baron court grammar school um but what what does that like five hundred thousand pound townhouse in canterbury but you know it tells you a lot about the the mail on sunday which is that they are obsessed with people being privately educated okay posh yeah having expensive houses i guess my question is you know given that you'd spent the previous year avoiding excessive exposure and deliberately maintaining a level of mystique how did that feel that the sort of the being quote unquote unmasked Unmasked. well listen i didn't care because at the end of the day i see i see culture in two different forms i believe there is household name 
fame and there is internet fame. And I, the reason why I was so, I laughed at that was because I believe I hail from the internet. And therefore, I don't expect people who read that tabloid or really people that like are walking outside down the street. It's the same, those are the same people that will listen to rap of today and think that it's not an art form because they're just mumbling into it. Like these are the same people that don't view like rap as a real genre of music, you know? And this is another thing about hailing from the internet and why I believe, you know, Gen Z are like, I just think we're open to more things that we haven't seen before. People haven't heard a girl with a chipmunk voice sing about anxiety. So that's what I provide. And I feel like people over here don't really want to see it. That's why they comment stuff. And that's why there's articles. And I can't stress enough with false facts, which are emphasising things like the fact that I'm biracial or emphasising the fact that I have any type of identity which isn't straight British. It's, yeah, that's my thing. That's all I'm going to say. There's two forms of culture, internet-based, non-internet-based. I hail from this side, so there's no point for people that aren't internet-based, getting involved. That's how I actually feel. That was very well expressed. What do you mean when you say you hail from the internet? I hail from the internet. I hail from the internet. I hail from the internet. Well, you said it earlier. I am. (laughs) Well, you said it earlier. You said, you know, I haven't done these um, pub appearances, these live shows. I haven't done these talent shows. I haven't been on national television. To discover me, you technically, unless you're hearing word of mouth, have had to be online. And that's kind of still true. No, not as much, actually, because I'm branching out. I'm happy to branch out. I want to cover more spaces than just online. But initially, back then, it was very much online. Hence why they said TikTok sensation. By the way, TikTok sensation, it's interesting to reflect. You started on SoundCloud, but then TikTok was Yeah, I was completely... because Completely TikTok. Yeah, because I didn't have a label backing or I didn't know anyone to do with anyone in music. So the only thing I had to do was... I just had to find a way. TikTok I knew was the way people were getting their music seen. And I saw people do it. I was like, okay, it's cool. Is it true that you almost tactically and strategically... Yeah, it is tactically. ...game to the algorithm? I don't think I game the algorithm. I think I just paid notice to what worked. How did you do that? Same way... If, you, if one were to go hunting and they wanted to catch a deer and they would check the parameters of how they should catch a deer, I essentially did that with what time should I post. And that's You've gone with a hunting it. metaphor. I didn't know what to go for. It was unexpected. Yeah, I didn't really know what to go for. But lost the vegans. <laughs> no, I would never. I would never personally hunt deer. I'm just playing Red Dead Redemption 2, so I've been doing it a lot in the game. No, never in real life. I mean, what I read was that you followed a thousand different yeah, accounts so on SoundCloud, an hour per hour. Yeah, on SoundCloud. On SoundCloud. Yeah. When I tell you I was determined, I was like, no, I'm going to make this work. So my thing was, do you remember on Instagram back in the day? Oh, I don't know if you will. Follow for follow. Shout out, shout out. Do you know what that is? Uh, I think I can figure it out. Follow okay. for follow. Follow for follow. It speaks for itself. And you'd message or you'd comment. So I was a teenager doing this. I was not an adult. I'm just going to let that be known. I was a teenager, so I was like 17. And I would just be so bored at home. I did have a great social life. Not, you know, let me make that clear too. But I, I did choose to leave events early just to go home and like spend hours on SoundCloud because people blew up on SoundCloud and I just I was like I want to blow up too like I want to get my music heard so I would actually just follow for follow so basically you started getting followers that way but then on TikTok how do you sort of figure out 
What's going to work on TikTok? Um, so the voice that I sing with, I've been using since before. I've been singing with my, this is, I mean, this is my singing voice. But I, I just felt like, I don't know. I feel like I just posted it and then people liked it. And then I was reading comments and I was trying to figure out, oh, what is it about this that people like so much? Because I thought it was good music. I didn't think it was going to be, I didn't think people were going to like it that much. So I was very intrigued as to what it was because people were saying, well, I've never heard this before. People were even commenting things like, what genre is this? And I was like, okay, so it must mean that they want more of this type of stuff. And you know what? Music, and I'm sure you know this, music is more than just music making. Music is business. I've always noticed that the best musicians are musicians that have done the best. Someone like, for example, Drake, are people that pick up on um, what is trending or what could trend and they pick up on it early so that they can be the ones people are listening to. I wanted to be ahead of the curve because it is business like it is. Do you like Drake? I love him. I hear a little bit of Drake in you. Yes, I, well, yeah, I, I honestly have been listening to Drake for the long, yeah. In the new album, some of the melody lines. Oh my God, that's amazing that you say that because sometimes when I write a song, I'm like, like, what would Drake do? Because I love his melodies. He doesn't do like classical melody styles. He's got his own. Very much his own Very distinctive. Style. Sometimes, I'm going to say this and it might annoy people. Sometimes they're barely melodies. Like he's just sort of doing a Drake thing that well, only he can do, maybe. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? That's part of the, the charm of it all. Like, so he works in... Like, that, is that a melody? Yeah, but it is. Do you know which one I was doing? Yeah. You know that. Yeah. It's so... I need like... a one. Because he sings in, um, what do you call them? In, I was going to say octaves, but it's not, it's not fifths octaves, or something. Fifths, aren't they? Yeah. And I, I did, not Drake influence, I do that too. And I notice... I, I hear that in you. Right. And he does it too. His melodies are so good to me. I always thought to myself, what is it? about his melodies I like and I realise it's because of those jumps that he does in his yeah. melodies and um, yeah Hi. Too loud. Hi. I'm Louis Theroux, and you're listening to the Louis Theroux Podcast. And now, back to my conversation with Pink Pantheress. Would you have been doing all of this without the pandemic? Because it was... Yes. Uh, December 2020, when that first track launched, yep. was absolutely in the middle of... Pandemic. That, that pandemic lockdown, second, whatever lockdown that was, it was the worst. It was that Christmas week. It was, was cancelled. Remember? Crap. And then January, February, all the deaths were surging and your music was coming out. You were saying that you feel like there's this expectation that now you're going to translate that online internet success into something less virtual. Well, you ha yeah, you have It to. sounded as though you were like, people say, you know, oh, now you've got to do shows and now you've got to, and, and that's not really in your comfort zone and maybe not even certainly didn't used to be part of your ambition. Yeah. Who's telling you that? Who's saying that you should be doing those things? Um, I'd say it was um, me, myself and I. Yeah. It's not anyone from the label or anyone from... Well, I feel like people do encourage... I feel, Honestly, you know what it is? I try to do things very off-kilter, but sometimes I do play by the book. And the book says we should care th about charts. We should care about these... Uh, accolades and when 
people tell me the importance of the book, I go, okay, fair enough. Like, I do actually care. Like, the BBC Sound of 2022, I was like, okay, I do really care about this. When beforehand, I might have been like, oh, I don't really care. But now I'm like, I do. I really care about this kind of stuff. So live performance is one of those things where I see other people do it, my inspirations, my influences, and I go, yeah, I do want to be as impressive as they are. Who are you thinking of specifically? So many people. I mean... Hayley Williams. Oh, exactly. Exactly perfect person. I saw her on stage and that was when I was like, oh God, like she looks like a, like a boss. Lead singer of Paramore and also a solo artist. Yes, yeah, she is. Because I was preparing for this interview and I knew how important Hayley Williams was to I'm you. I'm worried. What were you, what were you? I looked up some Hayley Williams and Oh, Paramore. good. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring her out. <clears throat> no, because I thought um, I should, I, you know, I was like, I know the name, but my question is, is what was it about her and her music? I just think that every black person loves Hayley Williams, really. Yeah. And that's really, yeah, I do. I think everyone does. I think that she has a very great soulful voice. Mm-hmm. And when you combine it, similar to how they were talking about my voice and the slinky angelic voice with these fun beats, she's got this amazing soulful big voice for these rock songs. It, it was like a paradox because you would expect her voice to be something like gospel. And then once you combine it with the rock, you're just like, oh my God, this is perfect. And she is perfect. Her hair's perfect. She's perfect. How many live shows have you done now? in the Because this is three, you're nearly three years into your... Success. Yes, I'd say... Coming up on the three-year anniversary. I know. God. And how many live shows have you done? About f- maybe 50. 50, more than 50. Maybe oh, quite 50. a lot then. I don't know. I'd have to ask my manager and she's That's out quite there. quite a lot. 50, more than... Are you getting more comfortable with it? You've spoken about having yes. stage fright. I have stage fright and that's why... You know what's funny? I used to get worse stage fright ways, so it's got better. It is way better now. I'll be honest with you. It's way better. My stage fright's fine, but interests me that somebody gave me a David Bowie quote. Have you met David Bowie? No. Okay. But I know who he is. Well, somebody told me that he said, when you stop being nervous before you perform live, oh, what did he say? When you stop being nervous, that would be a good quote. If you when, yeah, I know. When you stop being nervous before you perform live. It's time to stop. That's, yeah, it's live. like, that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. It's like, because he's, but essentially the whole point was like, he gets nervous. Yeah, I think that's, I think stage fright, like some degree of, Anxiety before you go on stage is, is, is the norm. Yes. It, it's not universal. I've met people who, who don't get it, but it's rare. Okay, cool. So, but my thing is, it used to be so bad that I would like actually... Vomit? I, no. For me, it used to be like I would... I still do. I plan an escape plan for each show I do. So I have a line which I'm going to... I say to all my whole band, my DJ, I say, okay, if I say this today, that means I'm going off. So you need to fill in the gap for when I'm off stage. Because when you're in front of that many people, there's I have this horrible thing in my head telling me at some point I'm going to get overwhelmed with how many people there are and I'm going to have a panic attack. By the way, I've never... I've, I've only ever had a panic attack twice. On stage? No. In life? From smoking weed. Right, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is normal. And I've never had it any other time. But my fear is I'm going to be on stage and suddenly I'm going to get dizzy and I'm going to have a bad thing and people are going to film it and be like, oh, God, what's wrong with that? You know what I mean? But there's a lot of shows of mine which are filmed and taken out of context too. I don't even I hesitate to bring this up because it might be annoying, but um, I, you did a show at South by Southwest and I read a review of it that was pretty brutal. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's... Is that painful? Okay, so my thing is, Louis, and this is why I I say performing live for me can be a struggle. I'm a vibes person. I feed off of a crowd. And I remember that day I walked out on stage. 
there was something about the crowd which when I walked out I was like oh god like this is pretty daunting and I get because South by Southwest is a showcase where you're actually meant to be there they don't necessarily need to know who you are type business but I remember there was some people towards the back who when I say they were frowning or just looking like this that it's no exaggeration sometimes people are just doing this no movement, nothing. And you have to understand, we're from the UK. Doing the, and for people in Radioland, oh, uh, Pink is up. making a, an expression, a blank, sort of inscrutable expression. And I'm holding up my phone like this, which is no, again, no issue. And one has to expect it. And one, and this is the thing, this is why I have to sit here and I do, I do have to slap myself on the wrist because I realise a true performer has to withstand these things and realise they have to do anything regardless of who's watching you. But in my head because I'm human I do struggle being able to feed off a crowd which I believe don't know me or don't care to know me which which and that's my own fault but on that particular day I struggled with it so much and I remember thinking to myself okay I'm going to give them the best I can do right now and I remember the best I could do I had my bag and people don't get the bag on stage fine I get it I was actually moving a lot I was doing a lot of walking I was I actually was walking a lot I remember that I remember feeling like I was giving them a very intimate giving, you had your bag on stage well I always do why I don't know. I just like having it. It's just completes the outfit. Multiple reasons. Anyway, I remember thinking, I was giving them a lot. I remember thinking, I'm smiling, I'm singing. I remember there was an issue with the sound and where the sound was way louder in the thing. So it sounded like, or it looked like I was lip syncing. But I remember there was a 15 second clip which went viral of me performing just for me, which I always perform in a very painstakingly loving and like doting way where I look sad. But just for me is the stalkerish. Is the stalkerish song because track. it's such a. It's supposed to be influenced or slightly inspired Stan by Stan by, by Eminem. Eminem. Yes. It's a really good track, actually. Oh, thanks, Louis. So, yeah, so that was my whole vibe. And I remember people, but again, again, people didn't. I guess I I could have done more. I guess the audience. Your point about the track, the clip going viral was what it went viral because it was good or not? No, good? it was crap. Well, it looked crap, even though I was performing the song how I always perform it, and no matter where I am, Reading and Leeds, where I have a great crowd who are. Whoa, People whoa. were sharing it because it was crap. Yeah, of course they were. Of course they were. Why wouldn't they? It was viral, crap. viral. It was crap. There's no such thing as bad viral. Well, yeah, but in my, I know what you mean. But for me, I don't me, even know if I believe that. Well, good. No, if you were if you were attacking someone with your handbag, would that be good viral? No, I think <laughs> terrible viral. But the review, yeah, it was just written by someone that I was just like, I don't think they listen to my music, and that's when I realised. If you listen to my music and you give me a review, then I think you understand me way more than somebody that doesn't understand me and writes a review. And that's why I believe context matters within every artist. Context matters within every artist. I remember believing back in the day, context doesn't matter. If you're a good performer, you're a good performer. Bad performer, bad performer. Context really matters. Some people won't like the way certain artists perform. Some people will love the way certain artists perform. It all depends if you know who I am. If you realise that my songs are all about sadness and that Just For Me is a song and in the music video I'm performing like I'm a very sad girl, then you'll realise why I was performing the song like that. But they didn't realise and that's why they gave me a bad review. Really? I can understand where I need to do better, but people also need to realise that the context does matter with it, with me as a performer. Sorry, I'm just talking really quick. Cool. No, but I think that's fair. But I also think, I wondered, in an interview with Angela Yee, you were asked, who is the next to you, do you think? Do you remember this? <laughs> Crazy Which is an question. odd question. <laughs> and, and you were like, I don't know. But you said, that's why I'm fine where I am and why I'm sure of myself. Yeah. Because it's a very specific world I've tried to create. Yeah. And I think I've succeeded. 100%. What more can be said? But what is the specific world? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I think. Come on. Well, that's the thing. I don't know, and I don't. It was never intentional, and I, I, again, because I don't really know what she meant by the question. I don't know if she meant sonically or if she meant me as a whole package. brand. I think it's the package. Okay, well, if it's a package, then I don't know because I don't know anyone who would choose to really. 
brand themselves the way I brand them. I know it's a horror. But you, okay, so you can duck the question if you like. But I, I curious to know if you're conscious, and I get that it wasn't planned. Yeah. But that organically you've arrived at a style and an approach, and I'm just curious whether you have a sense of what that is. Um, I think people have give me more of a sense of it than I do. I think people have different descriptions for my the way I dress, the way that I, um, I guess, conduct myself in interviews. I think people have their own idea and I and I don't know what that is because my whole thing has very been me I'm very me and I know everyone says that they're me like I'm just doing me but like my thing is I've been to me sometimes so the bad performances you're talking about like that's an example of me being to me not being able to break out of my personal shell because there is a difference between like then then you might have two versions of Louis that's Louis the journalist the person on in front of the camera and there's you at home I sometimes struggle to differentiate the two and that's when I when on stage I should be this there's performances where I'm dancing and being all happy jolly that's when I'm being Pink Panthers that performance of me at South by Southwest that's me being me at home and not being able to not break being, out into my Pink Panthers not performing not performing as Pink Panthers that's me being me because I'm shy or there's something to do with the audience or I'm quite a shy person yes right? I can tell can you yes and when I first started doing TV uh, and was defined as Awkward, nerdy, geeky. Yes. Um, all these sort of adjectives that I sort of recognised but didn't really embrace. Like I didn't really, I didn't see myself as that. Yeah. And, and nevertheless, I sort of had to accept, you know, the fifth, sixth, tenth, one hundredth time, the same set of adjectives is applied. You have to accept, okay, I guess that's sort of who I am. And then you become conscious of using it to your advantage, I suppose, a bit, or accepting that that's part of your gift, part of your talent is to be those things that people are finding in you, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering whether that applies to you. Not those words, but whether or whether you specifically have, there were surprises about how people saw you from the outside. God, I don't know. I'm getting teary. Why, what's making you cry? I don't know. I don't know. I think, no, don't. Stop. I'm not crying. For anyone watching, not crying. I'm tearing up though. And I think it's because you're... God, Louis! It's because you're talking about the labels that you got. And I don't know how you felt about those labels at the time. Maybe you embraced them. I get told a lot the same thing. But I can't control it because that's who I am. But because of who I am as a person, and I don't think we're similar. Well, I don't know. Well, maybe we are similar. Maybe we're a bit both awkward or a bit shy. But because of our jobs, I feel like we have jobs where you're expected or people want you to be something. And I And I... And I get those labels a lot awkward and shy and stuff like that. And it's hard to be told those things when people, there's such an expectancy for you to be something else. Yeah. And that's where people do criticise you and that's where people are telling you that your live performance is bad or that you come across awkward or... I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting upset, but essentially you being told all those things just reminds me of me being told all those things and... I don't mind being told those things at all. I don't mind being told I'm shy or awkward, but sometimes it is a bit, you know, sometimes it makes you feel like there's something wrong with you almost. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that? Or maybe you don't feel that. Well, I mean, in terms of when you say like, do I feel there's something wrong with me? Sometimes I sort of feel like I can't really control the parts that people are liking. That's it. That's how I feel too. And I don't know when I'm coming across it awkward in a charming way or yeah. if it's in a very off-putting way, you know? And so you're not always in control of your gift. And that make, that's a bit insecure making because you're like, 
I don't quite get what you're getting. Like I'm doing me, but I'm not sure if the me that you're liking is the same me that uh, I'm enjoying. You're putting enjoying out. putting out. Yeah, one hundred percent. Can't word it. Better Do you get that more in America? I find it more in America though, as well. Where America, they seem to expect more performance. A bit like be big, be a big, big, charming personality yeah. when you're on radio yeah. interviews or. And you're like, it's not who I am, it's really. Not, it's not who I am. And, and I think for some people, again, some people I think find it endearing. And because, well, that's the, the brand that you're mentioning. I think that's now part of my brand, whether I want it to be or not. Because my music is also quite, you know, it's in a very specific world. It means that people then apply it to me as a person. They go, well, she must be quite anxious. She might be quite awkward and she must be quite, you know, she must not think highly of herself. And therefore... I think they view me as this really timid, shy thing. In America, it doesn't translate well. Some people just think it... Some people think it's rude, almost. Mm. Whereas over here, they, they I think they understand it a bit more and they think, OK, well, she's just British or she's mm. just, you know... Not playing the game so Not much. playing the game so much. And it's tough because if I was to be anything else, it would be false. And it would be a lie and I can't... I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And that's why I am myself. Even when I feel like I should be more, I can't do it. So for the live shows next year, will you be doing a big all singing, all dancing spectacle? I don't believe I'll be doing any dancing, but I do want it to be a level up from what it is. I've got, I feel like it's been pretty good recently though. I've got a band and I've been, um, my live vocals, I'm getting, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. I think that's the thing. I think I'm trying. My main ambition was to create music which was interesting, new, unique, and made people feel and made people think about their inner self. I didn't make my music to perform it live. I didn't make my music to be this person. And, you know, I didn't do it for those reasons. And so to learn that, it's difficult. So I think I'm going to level up. I'm opening for Olivia Rodrigo next year and I want it to be great. And I want people to love it. But we'll have to see when it happens. Are you okay? I want to check in with you. I'm so fine. That was, it, no, it was, that was quite something when you got upset. But you know what? It wasn't. I was upset because of my own testimony. Honestly, when you talked about your testimonies and how you were being, you know, labelled back in the day, that made me upset. Because I don't know. Because I just I'm fine. By the way, I've in case you're worried about me. Um, Although it's weird when you like, and then it's like, oh wow, I'm quite. This is going to sound weird, but. They're focusing on things about your appearance where it's not necessarily flattering. You're like, I thought I was an okay-looking guy. What, are you talking about yourself? Yeah, and then I'm like, maybe I'm not. <laughs> maybe I'm kind of freaky-looking. No, come man. off it. You've got like... That's not an... I'm not, I'm not angling. Stop right you, there. You know what? You're interesting. I know you weren't angling, but it's interesting because you actually have like girls my age or even younger talking about your looks. Even now. I feel like they call you like, yeah, I think you're like a silver fox. Okay, I'm gonna not for leave me. that. Not exactly for me. Oh no, no, but I'm just letting you know. Do you talk about relationships? In my songs, yeah, I do. What about in life? What about in podcasts? Are you in a relationship? No, I don't talk about relationships, no. No. But you talk about icks. Oh yeah. <laughs> what you've got certain icks in, in well, guys. I think everyone And one does. of them is name dropping. Mm. which I can relate to. Like, who, no one wants likes a name drop. Yeah, that's not really an ick. That's more of a just off-putting, off-put. The other one was, nothing makes me cringe, but men, imagine you're in a mall. Oh, yeah. And your boyfriend, your partner, is carrying a tray of food to your table. Oh, that's <laughs> a big ick. That's a huge ick. What does that mean, though? What's wrong with someone bringing food okay. on a tray to yes. your table? I'll explain. So an ick is not a 
turn off. A turn off is more of a bad hygiene, bad breath. Like that, of course, that's an off-putting thing. That's a turn off. Uh, ick is something very specific. You don't want to see your partner do it, not because it makes them look bad, but just because you don't want to picture them doing it because it just maybe makes you cringe. But how do you bring food to your table without a not, tray? Without a tray, I don't want to see anyone holding a tray of food. It's just an ick. How I, does the food get to the table? It's something I. Okay, so I'd rather if say we were at McDonald's and there was a tray, or if the option of holding the bag, hold the bag. Don't take the tray. Taking the tray is your both your arms are here. You're like shoulders are all hunched up like this. You have to watch the food to make sure it doesn't spit. Oh, God, it's horrible. What I about bet you? there's a gangster way of carrying a tray. No. That's a good challenge for the socials. I want to see some people sending photos. I don't know where to, but of, of yourself holding a tray in a way that's gangster. You know why I like you, Lou? Because you have adapted to your new platform. You're an adapter, I can exactly. tell, because the way that you just did that was incredible. Right. Send, Send them in. A video. Let's crowdsource that. The most Incredible. gangster one will get a free copy of my new album. <laughs> but can I ask you a question? Do you have a an... handwritten note saying "Get a life"? Do you have an ick though? Like I do have a few icks. Okay, but... so what about your? I don't know if you're married. Where I'm married. Okay, if she fell over, like if she, if fell, she over... fell over, that wouldn't be a nick. That would be a cause for alarm. No, but like not in Come a on. bad way. But like she was running and she fell over. Like that's what. That can't be Nick. That's like saying it's a Nick to be run over by a car or have a skiing accident. What about if, you, to- be if you told a joke in front of loads of your friends and they- no one laughed? Sometimes she laughs so hard that she goes... Is like that- she snorts like a but pig. That's, that but that's enduring. actually quite endearing. That sounds endearing. But sometimes when we eat and she, she she finishes everything on a plate, that's not a Nick, that's good. But then she licks her finger and starts wiping up... Big, the things. old... <laughs> Ick. Or when they but I, the I don't even know if that's a nick, but I, I, I know better than to say don't do that. I'm just, I just. No, you're just letting her do her. me again, Louis Theroux. Just to remind you, you're listening to the Louis Theroux podcast. And now, back to my conversation with Pink Pantheress. So you grew up in, in um, you were born and raised in Bath to the age of five, five and then you moved to Canterbury. Canterbury. And um, according to an article in the Mail on Sunday, your dad is and was a statistics professor and your mum worked for the civil service. No. That's what it said. Okay, well, that's good. What was it? What did, what did your parents do? Well, yeah, you're correct about my dad and my mum. I shan't mention, I shan't talk about my mother. Are your parents together? Yes. Your mum's from Kenya? Yes. Mombasa? Yes. This is getting a bit like, um, what is it, mastermind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> do you feel connected to Kenya? Absolutely. But the last time I went when I was, was when I was 11. But I still feel very connected. I'm, I'm very connected to my mum and where she's from and where I'm from. Is your racial heritage important to you? Well, yeah, of course, I guess, yeah. Well, but, racial, whatever, I I mean culturally. I'm very, to where I'm from specifically, East Africa, Kenya specifically, I'm very connected to that heritage, yes. Do you speak Swahili? For realsies? Yeah, do you speak any? A little bit. Okay, Jambo. Jambo Habari. 
Havari sana. Na weweje? Okay. Na weweje. Na weweje. That's do you want a wedgie? No, that is and you. Mazuri sana. Okay, good. That's about all I've got. Oh, right. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I thought you were going to start. <laughs> we were going to get into it. Um, that's cool that you speak it, though. Is there anything you want to say about growing up? Um, no. It was pretty pretty happy and... Yeah. I, I don't like talking about my family or anything. Why is that? Even mentioning the Swahili and the Kenyan part. Because... Um, they just, they're like me. They don't actually want to be talked about. No. That's why the whole Daily Mail thing was really, like, especially my dad. They had a picture of him. Of my dad. Yeah, they did. Yes. And, like, it was horrifying. What, your family? What are they? Uh, you know what? Human? Can I say? Yeah, they are. Have you ever been to Margate? Of course. Yeah. Love Margate. I could have sworn when I was 16, I saw you at Dreamland on Halloween night. I was sure of it. I Dreamland is the um yeah. what is it? It's like a theme, theme park. park. It's also like now a venue. But I saw someone and he was wearing a, a witch hat and I was like, God, that's Louis Theroux. I said to all my friends, I was like, that must be Louis. And they go, Yeah, that's Louis Theroux. And the more I looked at him, because he was wearing makeup, the more I looked at him, I was like, that's not fucking Louis Theroux. No, that Because I realise you're way taller in person. Six three? Well, the clue is in the lyric. Six feet two in a compact. Oh, in your rap? No slack. But luckily... Did you write that yourself? Or did you, you get a ghostwriter? You, know, you know that I did. Well, actually, I had the help of um, recent Bigelow, two Jackson-based rappers. <laughs> okay. So let's wrap, Let's figure out how we... Um, wrap this? Wrap, rap, no pun intended. So basically, you've got the album coming. There's, it's, are there going to be a lot of live... Ev- you got the the shows, but what else yeah. have you got coming up? Um, I've got a few performances coming up. I can't, don't know which ones I can say. As you look forward and you look to these shows in the future, and do you think like, are you jumping in with both feet? Yes. But at some point, do you think, oh, I'll just go back to writing music and? Well, yeah, that's the thing. So actually, I want to be a writer too. So th- I love artists that can really balance, straddle between the singing and the writing, and I want to do both. Right now, I'm obviously more of a singer. Oh, I actually want to be a writer too. So I want to write for other people. I want to do sessions with loads of artists and be like. The writer and the singer. I just want to be all rounder. Do you think the price of whatever discomfort you feel at doing the live shows is worth one hundred percent payoff? And so it's not that you think, oh, let's do this and see how it goes. You're basically saying, I want to be a full on entertainment person. Well, you just have to like honestly. The amount of times I've said to my team, oh my god, I'm never doing live again. I'm never doing it again. You realise that like, I don't know. I'm. I That's get where the money is. I ha- no. Funny. That is where the money well, is. Yeah, okay, but I'm not really, that's not my motivation. Um, I think my thing is, <laughs> it's not my motivation. My thing is, listen, we only live once. And if you don't do or try your no, best no. at everything, then I could be 60 and regretting never doing live. I could be like, fuck, why didn't I do that? So I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to give it my best go ever. Like I'm actually, actually am. I am. You're going to kill it. You're going to dead it. Dead I don't it. know if you can say that. No, dead it. Also, that means bad. Dead the beef. Yeah, dead. <laughs> You're going to kill it. You're going to smash it. Thank you, Lily. What's the biggest place you're playing? Um, well, actually, if I'm going on tour... Well, I am going on tour with Olivia, and that's some pretty big crowds, like 14,000 capacity crowds. Mind you, they probably won't all be there for when I'm on stage, but they're pretty big places. Olivia Rodrigo, you'll know her hit Vampire. Oh, I'll know all... People out there, I'm not talking to you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> People in, in Radio Land. 
vampire. How does that one go? I'm a goddamn vampire. vampire. That was a great impression I just did. That was. Do do it again. Oh, you're a goddamn vampire. What's the lines before that? Sucking me dry like it. What is it? Yeah, sucking me dry. Sucking me dry like a goddamn vampire. Yours was better. Yeah, because, yeah, I studied the, the voice a lot. By the way, you, you had a kind of powerful voice when you did Olivia Rodrigo. Just then? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got multiple voices. You've That's got different registers. That I can, can do see. Powerhouse. I just don't do it in my music. Really? 100%. I, I have a great voice. I actually have a Powerhouse. Oh, yeah, but this is what I mean. It just gets awkward because then I just haven't prepped. Give me a person to do an impression of. What about uh, Rihanna? Doing, doing, did, she did Titanium, right? No, 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 Diamond. Diamonds, I mean. No, I can't do her either. Shining light like a diamond. Did you do an accent there? Shining bright like a diamond. You're doing an accent, a Bayesian accent there. I wasn't. You were. Heard it. Heard it. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> uh, who, who, you said do someone and then you, you're refusing <gasps> yeah, to do Yeah, because you're people. naming, flipping like... Do a powerhouse that you want to do. Oh, no, I can't. I don't. No, like I can do a powerhouse, but in the shower. Like I'm not in not in I get it. Lewis Theroux's podcast without any water. Nothing. It's gone back to Lewis. Yeah. That's how bad it got. Thank you so much for coming by. No, thank you. It was very fun. And so, that was my conversation with Pink Pantheress. Hope you enjoyed that. I think you'll agree, it really, you know, there was this sort of slightly awkward start and then it just warmed right up and became something, not to big myself up, but one of the best interviews of modern times. (laughs) Um, Believe it or not, although I'm a cold-blooded interviewer and a total professional, like I take no pleasure in when someone I'm interviewing cries. In this case, when Pink began becoming emotional, it was unexpected, especially because it seemed to be based on me talking about how reviews would describe me as a geek, which, you know, I was really remarking on just as a kind of curiosity rather than as a source of deep pain. But then, who knows? I'm often a stranger to my own feelings, and I can be blindsided by um, sadness. Anyway... Maybe I was just the catalyst for what she was, something she was going through. And, you know, going through, because reminder, she's 22. So she's very much in the midst of everything that's going on. She's got these shows coming up. She's got her first album. You know, you heard the chat. But I have to remind myself that these aren't people looking back, in all cases, looking back on their careers in a state of tranquility. She's in the eye of the storm, right? My only regret from that chat it regrets too strong, maybe, is I didn't get to hear her powerhouse vocals because I couldn't seem to summon the right song for her to deploy them upon. I'm still a little confused about the icks. Uh, although am I? I mentioned that I have an ick, which is my wife, my beautiful wife, Nancy, when she rubs her finger around the plate after she's eaten everything on it and then licks her finger. Did, is that how I characterized it? If I could start giving you the icks that she has for me, we'd be here all day. But a few of them are speaking at the dinner table when there's some food in my mouth, hearing that me either 
flossing my teeth or clipping my nails and the sound I can hear her in the other room. She's like, I can hear that. I'm like, well, how am I, how do you do that? Clip your nails and floss your teeth without making any noise. Suggestions. Welcome. So I hope it was clear from the conversation, but you know, I really liked her and I felt like I, it, I was relating to a fellow misfit of a sort, a kind of someone who, like me, is at odds with the world around her somewhat. So nice to know that someone's carrying the flag for us outsiders and weirdos and musical geniuses. All right, credits produced by Millie Chu. The assistant producer was Man Al-Yazari. The production manager was Francesca Bassett. And the executive producer was Aaron Fellows. The music in this series was by Miguel de Oliveira. This is a Mindhouse production for Spotify. <laughs>